Welcome to the Beltway Broadcast, the premier podcast for the workplace learning and talent development professionals of the Association for Talent Development's Metro DC chapter. We've got some great resources in store for you today. Hello, fellow ATDers. I'm Stephanie Hupka, the 2023 Vice President of Membership and Outreach, and a member of the Pod Squad here at the Metro DC chapter of ATD. Hi, I'm Christina Eanes, the Vice President of Marketing and Communications. And we also have Helena Hodges, our Vice President of Finance and Operations, as our producer. And for this episode, we are absolutely thrilled to welcome Dr. Britt Andreata. Welcome, Britt. So nice to have you here. So nice to see you as well and to connect to our fellow tribe of learning professionals. We have a fantastic community here, especially within the chapter. And that community, we realize, extends well into the listening world. So we are really excited to hop into our topic of the day. We're going to be talking about Wired to Become, which also happens to be the title of your latest book. So we're really excited to to hear a little bit more. Before we do, though, we'd love it if you would say hello to everyone and tell us a little bit about yourself. Thank you. Um, I am a learning professional who has grown up through... Uh, I first started in higher ed, and then I jumped over to lynda.com, where I was the chief mm-hmm. learning officer. And I've been doing leadership development and learning strategy for years now. Um, and then I started writing the books on the brain science of success. So Wired to Become is the fourth one that's coming out. I'm so excited about it because it completes the series. And then somewhere in there, people started saying, hey, we love your models. We love your research. Can we get certified in in your training. And I was like, huh, I've built training for my clients. This could be something that I I share. And so now I'm the CEO of Brain Aware Training. We do science-based solutions to solve today's workplace challenges. And I'm just so excited to talk to other talent professionals because we're all kind of looking at the same issues and trying to help our organizations thrive. I'm really, first of all, your background is just absolutely fascinating. And I realized too, for a lot of us, it may even be familiar because you have been a kind of a staple at many of the ATD conferences. I know for the last, oh gosh, I don't know how many years I've been attending the international conference, but I don't think I've missed a single one of your sessions. And that may be true for a lot of us who are joining today. I'm really excited though, that you're here to talk with us about the topic behind the latest book. So Especially, I'm really thinking about this in terms of where we have come over the last couple of years. And I think one of the most interesting themes that really has emerged for many of us, especially given the fact that we had the pandemic that lasted for several years, it's the, it's really thinking a little bit more about purpose and really Mm -hmm. thinking too about how we spend our time and what drives us? You know, what drives everything from the hobbies that we have to the professional work we do? So I'd love to hear from you, especially with your background as far as neuroscience is concerned. Why is having a sense of purpose so important to us? Well, before I jump into that question, I just want to underscore what you said. We are forever changed yes, because of what happened three years. We faced mortality that clarifies values. If, if you know any cancer survivor, you cannot face mortality without really reflecting on what matters to you and how you want to spend your time. Um, many people lost loved ones and coworkers in the pandemic itself. So one of the stages of grief is actually finding meaning and starting to look at purpose again. Um, many of us overworked to burnout 
And so one of the things about kind of coming back from burnout, burnout kind of crushes things that you used to love. And so um, many people were kind of struggling with that. So started seeking, huh, what, what matters to me now? And then interestingly enough, we've heard a lot about PTSD, but when we go through trauma and all of us have lived through a global trauma, um, the other way you can respond is post-traumatic growth. Mm -hmm. And part of post-traumatic growth is seeking a new sense of purpose. And um, so all of these factors are coming together to mean that it's really up for people right now, but it's not a temporary thing. We are changed and finding purpose and meaningful work is matters to us. From a neuroscience perspective, um, purpose and happiness are different. We, we experience them neurologically different. They activate different parts of the brain. And we know that, um, you know, scholars for a long time have talked about happiness as hedonic well-being. Mm -hmm. It's that fleeting sense of pleasure um, that matters to us. We need to have happiness in our lives. But the other type of well-being is eudaimonic, which is having purpose and meaning. And that gives us the deeper sense of satisfaction. It's self-transcending. So it always involves um, supporting others, being of service to others, connecting to others in some way. And it's not always fun and easy. Purpose is not always happy. And that's why you need yeah. both is that you really need this balance, but we're really hungering for purpose and meaning in our lives. And that's, that drove the great resignation. It's driving all kinds of issues in our workplaces today and will for a long time. I, I love that you mentioned that, um, that it's not always happy. So what is a way that maybe a two part question here? What is a way we can evaluate or assess whether our work is meaningful or not? And then is intrinsic, extrinsic, both? Where do we go from here? Great question. So having a sense of purpose in life is one aspect of what you're going to identify. And we draw purpose from different things. So we can draw purpose from our family. We can draw purpose from our hobbies and activities. Certainly because we spend so much time at work, we can draw purpose from work. So then this concept of meaningful work, if you think about uh, this continuum from meaningless to meaningful, right? As you go through your day-to-day, -day, certain tasks can feel kind of meaningless, but certain parts of your job or your work can be meaningful. It's both intrinsic and extrinsic. So one of the things that came up in the research is these three definitions, meaning of work, which is how we perceive kind of the overall concept of work. We probably learned a lot of that from our parents and how they talked about work, um, our early experiences with work. Then there's meaning in work, which is how meaningful work is to you specifically. And then there's meaning at work, which is more narrowly defined as the context of that specific job at that organization. So you could have meaningful work, but then be stuck under a boss that makes it not comfortable or yeah. in an organization where you feel um, that there's some disconnect between your values and that organization's. So you seek the same type of work somewhere else. And now all of a sudden you're flourishing and you're feeling great. Um, and then for some people, you know, they can, for this happened during the pandemic, there's, there's some paradoxes with meaningful work in the sense that it's deeply personal mm -hmm. and yet it's very controlled by people around us. The organization leaders, our boss, um, there's a dark side to kind of meaningful work where if you're so passionate and we saw this a lot with health care workers, but, uh, you see this a lot in, in many organizations is that when you're, when you're really passionate about your purpose, you start to struggle with having boundaries and doing self-care, yeah. relationships can suffer, etc. And then there's also this really interesting thing in the research, which is kind of the proportion of the demand of um, 
of meaningful work that you want in your life and the supply that you have. Mm. So healthcare workers, for example, are very passionate and have deep sense of meaning and purpose through their work. But the demand during the pandemic burned them out yeah. very fast. The, or sorry, the supply, uh, um, the supply exceeded their demand. And so they went into burnout. And that's why we're seeing huge um, losses in that workforce. Um, and on the same, you know, you could have a real high need for uh, meaningful work and the supply at your job is just not, not enough for you. So you need to seek somewhere else. So there's some really interesting factors that studies are really showing us a lot more information about how we define it for ourselves and how we define it for others. I think it's fascinating to think about meaning in that way, because a lot of times when you think about meaning, you may fall toward one of those three types, but without really thinking about the impact of the other two. And I'd love to stick with that for a second. I'm curious for people who find themselves out of balance, because it sounds to me like an ideal might be balance across all three, but that's not always attainable. Or if you find yourself out of balance that's where you're going to feel stuck. I'm curious if anywhere in the research or perhaps, um, you know, through, through some of the, the work that you've done, if you have any thoughts or recommendations for what people can do to start to seek balance in order to figure, you know, to find their way through and start to really, you know, come up with a, a more meaningful situation for them. Great question. And in the book, I talk a lot about the research, but it's really filled with a lot of tips and strategies yeah. if you're on a journey to finding purpose or you're questioning your meaningful work and how to find it. So uh, there's lots of things you can do. One is, you know, our, we have this amazing barometer inside of us called, uh, called our emotions. <laughs> our emotions are actually really useful data points. And at the same time, we want to take a little bit of a longer view. So if you're in a, a period of frustration right now, or you just find yourself gritchy and annoyed or not excited to come to work, I mean, there's there's highs and lows in every work cycle, right? So part of it is just like, hmm, do I just need to wait this out? Um, but if it continues to be there, you want to start looking at like, what's the source of that? Is it is it tasks? Is it people? Is it the leadership? Is there a values disconnection? You want to do a little digging because that that will give you information. And then over time, you can start, you know, is it fixable? If it's, if it's a coworker, maybe it's time to do some crucial conversations and see if you can work on that relationship. If it's a boss and that boss does not seem interested in their own growth and development, maybe it's another role in that same organization, right? Maybe your job's fine. It's just not all that sparkly for you, but all of a sudden you find a hobby on the weekend that gives you all those great jujubes that you need and the job's just fine. So part of it is, you know, engaging in some self-exploration. And then as you start to get some of the answers, that will kind of lead you to your next steps and what, what you should be doing. And I actually walk people through this process in the book. It's, it's kind of a workbook for um, ensuring that you have purpose and meaningful work in your life to the, to the level that you want them. Oh, that's awesome. Now, is there any specific advice for, I mean, I know along the lines of what you had just said, but any specific advice for those just looking to enter in the workforce, like they have no baseline to start from in understanding? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, I think those of us who've been in the workforce, a lot of what we learn about what we like and don't like is experiencing yes. it, right? <laughs> so there's a little bit of you've jumped on the train and now you're gonna you're gonna learn as you go. So embrace that. Um, there's two things I would say to the younger generation. One is people can learn and change. I mean, people learn and change all the time. So just because it 
it's not good now doesn't mean it cannot be. Yeah. So do a little do a little exploring there. Don't throw out the baby with the bathwater to use an old <laughs> euphemism. You know, um, you sometimes it's worth digging in some of the some of the jobs that have been most frustrating to me. I've turned into my most amazing jobs mm. because I was willing to do a little bit of the work and see how I could tweak it and fix it. And I was so glad that I did because when remember when you apply for a new job, it's going to seem super rosy. And then you're going to get there and the same things are going to start to crop up. <laughs> so you also want to learn the skills of how do I, first of all, do my homework and make sure I'm picking a good fit. Interviews are two ways. You should really be reading the signs and looking at how you're treated. And I even have a list of questions to ask on interviews in the book. Um, but once you get there, then it's also kind of doing the work of relationship management. What, what are your places to learn and grow? Are other people up for learning and growing? Um, and then there's also the skill of knowing when to call it and knowing like, uh, I, you know, I just know in my gut, this isn't going to work or it's so egregious that done, yeah. we're just done. Or, hey, I've, I've put the effort in, but I'm just not getting the, the, the outcome that I need. And so then it's like knowing when to stop putting that energy in and finding the right fit. Because there really is the right fit out there for you. But I just, I want to caution younger workers not to jump too soon, because mm -hmm. then you're going to miss the skills that will really serve you in your career of learning how to have those difficult conversations and learning how to articulate your needs and your boundaries. And some of those things that will serve you for a lifetime. Yeah. I'm really glad you mentioned that too, because I think that one space where a lot of people entering the workforce are tempted to try to accelerate their careers and those trajectories is by leaving in the face of adversity rather than facing mm -hmm. it and growing from it. You don't want to stick around in an organization that is going to be limiting to you, of course, or in a role that might be limiting. But knowing when it is worth turning that into a growth experience can often be a great next step to identifying what meaningful work is going to look like and feel for you and help you actually with something else I'd love to dig into that I think is connected to. And that's the idea of potential. A lot of people, when they're thinking about what work means for them, it also looks like or hopefully looks like living t into their potential and really understanding what they're capable of. And I think I'd love to hear a little bit from you about that concept and especially what it looks like when somebody is fulfilling their potential and also perhaps what it can look like to encourage people to fulfill the potential that they have. All right. That's a big question. A big Come back question. to the of encouraging others because I may forget it as I do. Yeah. Well, couple things, you know, we're wired for potential. Yeah. So if you forget, if you don't remember anything else, remember that humans are wired for three things to survive. Yeah. So that's our need for food, water, shelter. For many of us, that comes through a workplace and a job because um, the paycheck is how we buy food, water, shelter. Mm -hmm. um, the second one is to be part of a meaningful community to feel like we belong. And that gets triggered at work too, because of our work environments and teams that we're on. We spend a big portion of our lives at work, but our deepest need is to learn and grow. To we, we want to become who we're meant to be, and so that's always there. But it can get kind of mushed in our efforts around the other pieces. So just know we're wired to want to achieve our potential. But then things happen to us, right? Teachers tell us we don't have the talent. A boss tells us that's not an opportunity for us. So we also. Expect experience getting kind of smushed or blocked. And so part of our journey is kind of figuring out when do I listen to those voices? When, when is that not helpful? And I need to listen to myself. Is there a combination in there? Right. Um, the other thing is that 
part of potential is a little bit of struggle. So if you think about the kind of the concept of flow, we know that when our the stress is too much for our skills, that's really anxiety provoking. But if our skills are too great for the stress, that's really boring. And so there's a level of challenge at which we kind of um, thrive. And so you also want to know that your potential has you a little bit on the edge of discomfort. It has you not stressed and not able to sleep. Okay, that's too much. But it has you needing to dig in a little bit. It has you a little bit curious. It has you a little bit like, huh, how is this going to turn out? So knowing that that's important. We also know from... um, just lots of research on learning that to get better at something, you need to deliberately practice it. Mm -hmm. You need mentoring and coaching or learning opportunities that you don't get better without intentionally trying to get better. So that's a part of it. And then to your second question about others helping us with potential potential, you know, the best leaders do that. The best leaders see something in you. We always have a little bit of blinders about ourselves because we, we know where we've come from, where other people can kind of see us fresh. And so the best leaders can see the potential in someone and is nudging them and pushing you to do things that are a little out com- outside of your comfort zone because they know you can do it. And then you achieve your potential and you're like, wow, I didn't know I was capable of that. So that's a big feeling when you're achieving your potential is when you go, Oh, huh, that kind of surprised me. (laughs) And so good leaders kind of keep moving. And so the thing is, once you achieve that, celebrate it, but now we got to set a new target, right? So potential is also a moving target because once we achieve a certain level, there's the next level to set for ourselves Mm -hmm. or for others to encourage us to go for. I love that. We need to remain in the stretch zone, being uncomfortably comfortable. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Now, I know we've kind of mentioned it uh, before, but I'd really love to call it out. Can you share the connection between meaningful work or just meaning and physical and uh, mental health? Oh, it's a great question. And I would say meaningful work and purpose kind of go hand in hand. We are wired for purpose. So there is, um, we have a biological need for it. And when we don't have it, we suffer. And when we do have it, we thrive. And the data, this is the part of the data that really blew my mind. I actually dedicate two entire chapters to all the studies that show how powerful this stuff is for our bodies (laughs) and our minds. So some things to know here is that um, when you are having a life of purpose, so that would include work, but other things, there's neural protection. So your your chances of, of things like cognitive decline as you age, stroke, depression actually go down. There's physical protection, heart attacks go down, your body literally heals itself faster. So shorter hospital stays, uh, less inflammatory response, longer lives. There's actually, it's considered kind of a buffer against mortality. And there's just study after study of how it actually helps us live longer. Um, there's a whole set of data on community protection. So for example, um, people, when they have a sense of purpose in their life or meaningful work, they're more accepting of diversity. Mm -hmm. They're more caring and connected. Makes sense. For people who are marginalized or the targets of stereotypes and bias, um, it actually offers a protection against the harm that those things do. So if they've got a sense of purpose in their lives, uh, the, the harm of those things is less not less harmful, but it doesn't impact them as much. So I think it's really important. Obviously, we need to continue to do the work to remove bias and and stereotypes from our society. But until we can also 
offering this level of protection to communities is super important. Better rehabilitation. So people who are dealing with drug or alcohol issues, um, prisoners, better rehabilitation when there's a sense of purpose. We also know that it helps us through tragedy and loss. So many of us have had to face that these last few years. And of course, there's, there's natural disasters and accidents and illness and things that happen all the time. And so people can tap, tap into purpose and that get, can get you through the darkest, the darkest hours. And then there's another batch of data. And again, I, I go into all the details on the, in the studies in the book, but, um, when an organization is based in purpose and they've got purpose-driven people working there, uh, all kinds of amazing measures for the organization, productivity, engagement, even leadership potential, all of these things are better when people have a sense of purpose. So I could go on and on about the benefits. The studies are pretty phenomenal. It's incredible to hear just how wide-reaching those benefits are. I think you might expect to hear that there will be some very personal benefits for you, but to then understand the depth of those benefits and understand how reaching they are into all of the communities, in fact, you may be part of, including those that you work with professionally. I mean, it, it's just an amazing, amazing concept. And I, I know that we are just about to ask a few final questions of you. But before we do, I would love it if you could tell us a little bit more about where we can find Wired to Become. I think you're going to have a lot of people looking to get access to this incredible resource. Well, thank you. So it's just back from the printer. I'm super excited about it. And it's going to premiere at ATD. So for those of you who are going to ATD in San Diego, that's going to be the first place it's available as the books were there. Um, you'll find it online at Amazon and other online booksellers. And then the ebook will be posting um, May 21st as well. So kind of May 21st is the launch date. You'll be able to uh, pick it up. And I think we're doing a pre-sale already on Amazon. So you could you could get it in your cart now. I awesome. think that will be my next click. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you. Awesome. Okay. At the end of every episode, we ask three rapid fire style questions. Quick and easy. You ready? I'm ready. Okay. So what is one book, obviously other than yours, we have to read those, right? That everyone must read and why? <sighs> You know, for me as a professional in the talent management space, the book Reinventing Organizations by Frederick Leloux changed my whole perception of everything. So I recommend that. And I got to throw in anything by Brene Brown. Yeah. You know, that's just going to help you understand people in general. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely right. Awesome. <laughs> okay. What is one tool, define that however you'd like, that you can't live without? That would have to be my laptop. It's just my canvas for everything I create, books, presentations, training. Um, and even within that specifically PowerPoint, I use it for everything from obviously building presentations, but I mood board on it. I outline on it. I, I use it as a, a graphic canvas. So I think um, my laptop and PowerPoint, I cannot live without. <laughs> Good choice. I love it. Well, and I love the use of, right? It's what is it called? Functional fixedness that you're you're not only using PowerPoint for presentation. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> okay. Best piece of advice you've ever been given. Oh, um, you know, I actually talk about this in the book. I was going through a difficult time in my life where I'd been hit by a bunch of just really hard experiences. And I was in a workshop and I was trying to like, I mean, we humans do all kinds of things to kind of get back on track. Yeah. Right. So I was in this kind of personal improvement or 
self-development workshop. And I was kind of bemoaning some of the things I was going through. And the workshop leader just challenged me to say, I want you to just try this on. Just, just mm. try this on. Imagine that everything that's happened to you was actually designed to lead you in a certain direction. Like it's actually pushing you where you're supposed to go. And I was just like, (laughs) but it literally shifted how I viewed everything from that moment on in my life. And I actually talk about it in the book because I think oftentimes how we get to our sense of purpose is through a bunch of challenging experiences that are kind of like bumper, you know, it's like bumper bowling. They keep nudging us in the direction we're supposed to go. And we can either fight that or we can embrace it. But there's data there. There's information there. I absolutely love that advice. I mean, yeah, you really absolutely. can't devalue the tough stuff. It can and often is there for a reason, even if that reason is something you have to pull from it in order to learn what to uh, what's going to help you to grow. So I, I just love that advice. That's great. And Britt, we are so happy that you joined us today and gave us some of your time to help us learn a little bit more about what it is to be wired to become. It, this was such a fun conversation. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much. And I love connecting with you and your followers. And if they want to learn more, my name is my website, BrittAndreata.com. Easy to find. And we will be sure we link to it in our show notes as well. And of course, a big thanks to all of you in our community for listening today. And before you go, we have a message from our producer, Helena Hodges. Are you interested in learning more about the Metro DC chapter of ATD or following us on social media? Go to dcatd.org and click on About. Want to network with other chapter members? Join the Metro DC chapter of ATD members on LinkedIn today. 